For those of you that haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name is Brent Fugate. I've been the senior pastor here at Byfield Parish Church. We're going to take a minute for a little public service announcement. So here at Byfield in the past couple of years, and in our culture in general, there has been a lot of change. Some of that change is, is bad. Uh, some of that change is good. We can have those debates about what is bad and what is good. But one of the things that is true here at Byfield is if you were to take a picture of this room from five years ago and compare it to today, there are a lot of different faces in this room. And some, some of those folks that we've lost is a source of tremendous sadness to us. We've had people pass on uh, to their heavenly reward. We've had others move away, normal life. And we've had some people, you know, people get mad and they leave sometimes. And that's also part of life. But I would encourage all of you, both the people that have known this as their church home for a long time, and also those who are new here to, to make an effort to connect. Because sometimes, especially when you come into a new space, you think, man, everybody here knows each other. And I'm telling you right now here at Byfield Parish Church, you might be looking at somebody else and thinking, well, they should come over and talk to me because I'm new here. And they're looking at you and thinking, they should come over and talk to me because I'm new here. You're both new here, okay? So, so this is just sort of explain where we're at as a church, which is a source of, uh, you know, I, I'm glad for every person that's here today. That's an awesome awesome thing and we take really seriously people coming here and worshiping with us but there's also some challenges that come in with that so just everybody be conscious of that I actually wasn't playing planning on saying that but sometimes uh, the things really that need to be said are the things I'm not necessarily planning on saying each September here at Byfield Parish Church that I've been the pastor I have initiated a topical sermon series on some aspect of what it looks like to practically live out the Christian life. In recent years, we have done series focusing on family, finances, friendship, and work. Now, if you weren't around for any of those previous series and you want to check those out, you can go do that on YouTube or on our website. So last spring, when I was thinking about what sermon series to start today, to start this fall, I was, I was really struggling. I was having a really hard time thinking about now what area needs to be addressed as a practical challenge for us as Christians living out our faith today. While the answer wasn't immediately obvious, once I discerned the topic, discerned the topic, I knew it was what I needed to preach on. This was obvious to me because I struggle with this area myself. I know what should be true in my life, but I have a hard time living it. So it is comforting to me as I stand up here and preach that I know at least one person, that one person being myself will benefit from this sermon series. But I'm actually not worried. I am the only one who needs to hear the content of the sermons over the next several weeks. We will be focusing on an aspect of the Christian life that most modern day believers are bad at. 
In the coming weeks, we are going to be talking about rest. In the Bible, rest and Sabbath are overlapping concepts. We all want rest. But for most of us, rest is elusive. Scripture has a lot to say about rest. It is a priority from the beginning and throughout Scripture. So if you would turn with me now to Genesis chapter 2, we can begin seeing what God has communicated to us through His Word about rest. We will be reading a a short section of Scripture, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Any conversation about rest from a biblical perspective begins with these verses. Rest is important to God. He makes it a priority for himself. God rests in these verses. His rest has implications for how we rest. We need rest in ways God doesn't. We can't rest in ways God can. The differences between people and God are important. To truly experience the rest we need We must rest in God, the only one who can actually be fully at rest. The story of God's creation work in Genesis 1 concludes with these verses in Genesis 2 in which God rests. Now, it would be understandable for God to be tired. Bringing about the world from nothing would be exhausting for any normal being. God came up with a whole design. He then executed that design through a process. He brought about physical spaces, water, sky, and land. He then created beings to inhabit and rule those spaces. No greater energy has ever been unleashed than the energy God unleashed to bring about the physical plane we inhabit. I get tired of even thinking about what it would take to build a new house. Who who in here has ever built a house, right? A few people, all right. I, I have no desire to ever be a part of the construction of a home. 
It just sounds exhausting. There's all the big things, of course, but there are also the million little things. You know why I don't want to build a house? Because I don't want for Anne and I, my wife and I, to have to talk about what doorknobs to put in the house, right? That's really, I just imagine like having that type of conversation again and again and again about various things. I'm like, I'm all set. I'll take a house that's not quite ideal. How many more things did God have to consider in bringing about creation than we have to in the construction of a dwelling? God doesn't rest because he is weary then. God doesn't get tired. He doesn't have a limited amount of energy to burn. His work doesn't wear him out. Isaiah 40, 28 says, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. The omnipotent creator God doesn't need a nap or a vacation to restore himself. Why then does God rest? In these verses, God rests because he has finished what he set out to do. It is a response to completing a project. We can have some small appreciation for what God is doing. Most everyone can probably think of a circumstance when we have completed a project and feel satisfied with the results. It might be a fantastic meal or a project around the house. I get a tremendous amount of satisfaction when I finish the draft of a sermon I will preach. Normally this happens on Thursday. And Thursdays are my favorite day of work for that reason, because I get to enjoy this satisfaction. The pursuit of satisfaction is why people fix up old cars, garden, knit, fish, and bake. We can, we can understand on some small level God's satisfaction. When God rests, he is relishing the work he is completed. In Genesis 1.31, the verse immediately preceding the ones we read today, we are told, and God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. God rests because he is fully satisfied. The satisfaction God rests in, it doesn't result from meeting some external standard. God feels no need to prove anything to himself or anyone else. You might be wondering why God cares about us worshiping him if he has no need for approval. There's a difference between need and enjoyment. I don't need ice cream 
Although some days it certainly feels like I do. But man, I enjoy it. When I am happily eating ice cream on a hot summer day with Anne and the kids, my life feels that it is operating as it should. Our worship is consistent with how the world should operate for God. He recognizes that our worship is an outworking of his good creation. It is an overflow of the abundance of God that caused him to create in the first place. God is completely and totally self-satisfied. Creation is an extension of his satisfaction. When God reflects on himself and his works, he is aware of his own goodness, his absolute completeness. There's no element of striving for the approval of others. The satisfaction God inherently feels of his own existence is one of the aspects of his holiness that is most foreign to us. I think this is one of the reasons Eastern religions often think about the divine as a, as a force or an energy. It's almost impossible for us to conceive of a personal being that exists as God does. Before we feel any arrogance about what we know about God, we should remember we don't know anything that we were not told. If God didn't reveal himself, we would not be able to imagine an entity that resembles God either. The reason God rests is a reason we all have a very hard time resting. We are never fully satisfied with our work or with ourselves. Since the fall, humanity has existed in a state of unrelenting striving. We want to be something more than we are. We feel the need to prove our lives have meaning and value. We are trying to prove this to ourselves just as much as we are trying to prove it to others. One of the reasons really successful people are often miserable is their accomplishments have not proven what they believe they would. Even when the whole world is celebrating their success, the titan of industry or entertainment still has this sense that it's all a lie. They haven't, they haven't proven what they set out to prove. Everyone else may believe they have value, but they don't believe it themselves. This is a truly depressing position to find oneself in because there is an awareness that more success is not the solution. Human striving is a result of wanting to be like God. We want to be worshipped as God is worshipped. However much effort we put in 
to being like God, we will not succeed. Our efforts to do so will inevitably fail. Whatever goodness we bring about is fleeting. It is not very good or even good. It is the best we can do or pretty good considering our limitations. Decay undermines even our successes. The striving inherent to humanity throughout history is especially prevalent in our modern world. The limits on our striving have been erased. Do you know what normally happened centuries ago when the sun went down? Almost nothing, right? They, people didn't even, couldn't even afford candles in their home often. So we push past that natural barrier. And then in recent years, we've, we've pushed even farther. It used to be done with work when you left the office or when you left school. That's not the case anymore. You could, you could work 24 hours a day, seven days a week from wherever you are in the world. We raise our kids this way as well. There's this tremendous amount of pressure to succeed, to become, and they feel it. Social media has made every moment of our lives into an opportunity to show others how successful we are at striving. I guess likes in that example are a form of worship. Often, those who never rest are revered. They wear their busyness like a badge of honor. Hey, hey, look how much I'm doing. I can show you. I can show you my Google calendar. I'm so, I'm so busy. You wouldn't believe it. My busyness must mean that I'm important. It must mean that I matter. Those who strive the most are the most fearful of slowing down. Slowing down might allow time to look around and observe what all that busyness is actually accomplishing. The answer is not much of substance. Those struggling to prove themselves through striving, they won't take a break from striving though. The Christian author Andrew Root points out in his book, The Congregation in a Secular Age, that, that we cannot take a break. As soon as we do, we start to sink. Root describes us like sharks. A shark can't stop swimming. If a shark stops swimming, it sinks, it dies. And modern people, we move through the world like a shark. Always moving forward because we have the sense that if we stop, we fear what will happen. The idea of stopping is downright terrifying to the modern person. People say they fear everything will fall apart if they stop pushing, pushing, pushing. I think what is feared even more 
is that the world will go on. Which will just confirm the fear that the person making the effort is not as important as they want to believe they are. In the present, our inability to rest is a problem. Unlike God, we need rest. When we work, we get tired. Getting tired is not a personal failing. It is part of how God made us. He made us with limits. We are supposed to get tired. Tiredness can be the result of doing exactly what we are supposed to be doing. It is not a sin to be tired. Jesus got tired. John 4, 6 tells us Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. Tiredness becomes problematic when we don't alleviate the tiredness we feel with rest. A lack of rest, it grinds us to dust. Physical, mental, and spiritual exhaustion results. A person can only push through their tiredness for so long. The ideal, we can wait till our life in this world is done to rest, is self-destructive. People that don't rest, just, just a warning, will generally find that their time in this world is shorter. Back when I was first working as a registered nurse, I worked on a cardiac step down floor and a lot of the patients I took care of, they were, they were post heart attack patients. I think I've mentioned this before. And there were three main issues that I noticed pretty quickly, three main health behaviors that m most of these patients had, one of the three. The first two were pretty obvious, smoking and obesity, right? That's, that's not surprising. The third one, it took me a little longer to figure out. I realized that so many of the people I cared for that had had these heart attacks were type A people that would never stop striving. Their unrelenting stress, their inability to rest was a driver of their physical cardiac issues. Most people know they need to rest, but rest is elusive. We should not confuse rest with distraction. In the present world, we are awful at resting. In no time in history has any group in history been so good at distracting themselves. Every time we have a spare moment, that is just what we do. Our primary means of doing so are the devices we all carry in our pockets. Every free moment can be filled with checking social media, listening to podcasts, playing online games, or streaming some show. We are addicted to distraction to an extent that would have been unfathomable at any other time in human history. The technology that is our primary means of distraction is engineered to give us a constant sense of anxiety, that we are missing out in some way. I'm not going to ask for you guys to raise your hand on this, but what happens when you don't know 
where your smartphone is. Right? Or you don't know where your computer is. There's this sense of anxiety. Oh no, I could be missing out on all sorts of important things. You're not, trust me, you're not missing out. I don't want to overreach here. Playing Sudoku on your smartphone as part of your rest is not inherently problematic. The problem is we are always filling our mind with the next thing. Any moment we might rest is instead filled with distraction. Rest and distraction are not the same thing, although describing how they are difficult, different is surprisingly difficult. When distracted, time speeds up. When resting, it slows down. Distraction lacks depth, whereas resting encourages depth. Resting comes from within. Distraction is sought from without. Distraction inhibits relationship. Rest facilitates relationships. Rest restores. Distraction demands attention. Distraction is a means of avoiding our dissatisfaction. To rest, we must find some source of satisfaction. I think that last one is why we live in a culture of distraction with so little rest. We cannot find the satisfied rest God models in today's verses within ourselves. The truth is we should not be satisfied with ourselves. God created each of us to be his image bearers. Our sin has tarnished us and has skewed us. We fail in every way failure is possible. Our satisfaction and by extension, our rest can only be found in God. He is our rest. What we cannot bring about in ourselves, God invites us into. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 9 and 10 tell us, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. We enter the rest of God through Jesus Christ. We are going to spend a whole sermon series in a couple of weeks exploring what that means. The regular practice of Sabbath intentionally resting is a foretaste of the eternal rest we will enjoy in Jesus Christ. In his confessions, Augustine of Hippo wrote a line that is a great summation this sermon. He wrote, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. God is the only being that can truly rest. He doesn't need rest like we do, but he is able to rest because he is completely satisfied with who he is and what he has done. 
We, on the other hand, need rest, but cannot be satisfied with ourselves. The distracted world we live in is trying to avoid the inevitable conclusion that rest can only be found in God through Jesus Christ. The discipline of rest, also known as Sabbath, is an act of intentionally resting in God. We discipline ourselves to rest because we are not born good at resting. In the coming weeks, we're going to gain a better understanding of what being intentional about rest does and doesn't look like. My hope is that through these, this series, we would all be more intentional about resting in Jesus, the rest of God that we are all invited to enjoy. Let's pray. Dear Lord, there is so much weariness in a room like this, so much pressure to perform, to live in a certain way, to meet certain objectives, Lord. And, and that, that pressure, some of, which, some of which is valid, some of which is ridiculous, wears us down, Lord. We cannot do everything. We are limited creatures. We are limited in ways that you are not. But we rejoice in the fact that you have invited us in to your rest. You've invited us in to Jesus Christ. And I pray that we would take advantage of that opportunity, both in an ultimate sense and also as a regular commitment as part of our lives. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.